truth is that, you know, um, wherever I am in whatever setting that I find myself, you're going to hear very similar language and very similar connections. The language of equity is going to be central. Welcome to another episode of School PR Drive Time, the NCSPR podcast about driving the narrative forward for public education through the work of North Carolina's school PR professionals. My name is Kevin Smith. I'm the Community Relations Coordinator for Transylvania County Schools and a board member for NCSPRA. I'm Randy Davis, and I am the Internal Communication Specialist for Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools and the Vice President of NCSPRA. Randy's going to be my co-host today, and Randy, I'm so excited for this conversation because we're bridging this gap over James Ford. You've had some great experiences with him, and I wonder what you were looking forward to in today's conversation. Well, I've really seen an evolution in James from a classroom teacher to an advocate, a member of our State Board of Education. Um, He has been an inspiration for me since 2014. So what I was really looking for today and wanted to share with other NCSPR members is, you know, he affirms the importance of the work that we're doing and the role that we play in society and in making this world a better place, which is something that, as you and I were discussing, it's hard to remember when you're in the day-to-day, you're bogged down in everything you have to do every day. And I was also hoping to... Uh, reminisce with him a little bit just about about I love talking to James about anything but I just love hearing about how he's been able to take his message and go you know nationwide with it really so I love it. And for me, it's getting to know James Ford as the public figure and trying to construct backwards what it's like for him having been. uh, We'll learn today that he was a a lapsed journalist, someone who actually came from the world of mass communications. And so many things about these difficult and sometimes crucial and courageous conversations that we have in public, uh, making sure that that's going to work and help us continue moving things forward. We are driving the narrative forward for North Carolina's public schools. Equity is an important part of that, as we've seen, and we're going to we're going to learn a lot more about that today. So, Randy, thanks for joining us, and we're going to kick off the show right here with James Ford. Welcome to another episode of School PR Drive Time. I'm Kevin Smith, and with me is my co-host, Randy Davis. Randy, let's kick off by having you tell us about yourself for just a minute. Sure. I am the vice president for NCSPRA. I have been involved in this organization for four years now, and I am my day job is internal communication specialist for Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools. So we have about 19,000 employees at CMS, and I am responsible for communicating to those folks. Thank you, Randy, for joining today. And wearing multiple hats is going to be a theme that'll come up more than once. Our special guest is James Ford, 2014-2015 North Carolina Teacher of the Year. That's how we all came to know him. And that's a great connection with Randy Davis that we're going to talk about during today's show. He's an award-winning educator and consultant, and he hates biographies, so we're just going to get that mm. out there. But uh, he is the executive director for CREED, which is the Center for Racial Equity in Education, and he's been appointed by the governor to serve as a member of the State Board of Education here in North Carolina, representing the Southwest. Uh, James Ford, welcome to today's program, and I hope that we get to unpack so many of the great things that have been going on in your world today. Kevin, it's my pleasure. Randy, good to be joining you again. Thanks, James. James, tell us a little bit about Creed. For folks who are just going to be getting into this work for the very first time, we represent uh, school PR professionals, public information officers across the state of North Carolina. And a lot of folks are probably still learning what the work around equity has meant for you and has meant for folks around the state. Um, Tell us about Creed and the work that you've been doing most recently. 
Yeah. So um, CREED is the uh, creative acronym, as you mentioned, for the Center for Racial Equity and Education. Um, it is a nonprofit organization um, and it evolved from my personal experience, both as a student and as an educator. Um, having spent time in the classroom, uh, teaching in urban settings, uh, the bulk of which were in East Charlotte at Garinger High School, uh, you know, I find myself in the presence of students of color, overwhelmingly Black and Latinx students, and it was just the time of my life. Um, after being given the privilege of representing the state as Teacher of the Year, I, I traveled, right? I was gone anywhere, you know, f far out to, you know, Cherokee, to Transylvania and Hendersonville and you know, all out West, uh, but all, also um, in the Piedmont, the Triad, the Sand Hills and the Northeast. And what I found was a common theme. And that was that everywhere you went, uh, wherever there were students of color, they were suffering the same experiences. They were being oversuspended. Uh, they were underperforming by comparison to the white counterparts and a host of other different really racialized experiences. And I said, you know, apparently this wasn't just my school. It was systemic. And I thought that somebody should probably focus on that or something, some entity should call that out more explicitly. And, um, I did some work in my, in my personal life uh, through consulting and also through former employers that began to talk about racial equity and introduced that into the lexicon. But I still felt that there was a need for an organization to explicitly call out the intersections of race and education. And it's for that reason uh, that I created Creed because it didn't exist. And so I reached out to um, a good friend of mine after this in public, servicing this idea. And I knew I couldn't take it any further about myself. And she's all also a former Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools educator and, uh, you know, activist and organizer. And she said, let's do it. And that's Janine Bryant, co-founder and, uh, and director of, of operations. And so we are celebrating, uh, we celebrated uh, just over a year in existence in, in August and, and we're rolling, man. We're continuing to do this work uh, that focuses on closing racialized opportunity gaps for students of color in North Carolina. And we do that through research. We do that through a broad engagement strategy, and we do that through actual implementation work with the schools and with districts. You know, with James, I had the pleasure of being in James's classroom um, and seeing a history lesson where Bob Marley was incorporated to talk about slavery and not just the way that, that his instruction affected me personally, but to see his students and to see them engaged. Um, I know several people through different social circles that I have that were students of his at Geringer. And whenever I post anything about Jay, they're like, oh, let me tell you about my experience. So <laughs> uh, with, with Mr. Ford. So, you know, it's hard. Um, uh, James and I have this thing where we run into each other in public or we used to when we left our homes. Um, and, you know, I always have a big hug for James because we miss him. Um, he's always willing to come back and do things for us and, and um, you know, MC events and things like that. But I also feel like the work that he's doing is so important and it's so awesome to, you know, have seen him go from a classroom teacher to someone that is appointed to the state board of ed by the governor and that is being recognized at a state and national level for the work that he's doing. Um, it's been, it's been, I, it's, I've never really seen someone that's been able to take a recognition that they've received and use that as an opportunity to speak for so many others. He has taken his microphone and run with it. So it's been great to watch. I love it. I love it. 
Yeah, James, I know you're getting used to people talking about you and we're gonna, we really want to have you talk about the folks who are doing this work as well. Uh, what I heard Randy say is that there's a lot of experiences in the classroom that, that made this work special for you and that's how you've kind of gotten to the place where you are. How does it feel not being in the classroom these days? First of all, let me say that her bringing up that memory of the classroom mm -hmm. and, you know, because again, I know my units, right? My transatlantic slavery unit is unrivaled, <laughs> right? And so <laughs> for her to bring up that specific memory instantly just brought back a rush of emotion, right? Because nice. I love that place and, um, <laughs> and it's special to me and really um, touching to know that it's uh, still uh, memorable and touching for other folks. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I'll be honest, uh, the last day of school when I knew I was leaving um, and I saw wow. the buses drive off, I broke down crying, man. I did in front of all my colleagues and everything and everybody's like, oh, come on, Ford. And I, but listen, they knew because I loved, listen, you know, I had a, I have and had a passion for classroom instruction. And so you miss it. And, you know, I had to reconcile that I'm never going to have a better job than that in my life. And so the mission became, how do I find something that's about as close as possible? And, you know, I'm, I'm, I, feel, I feel like I'm getting there now with Creed. But and also uh, metaphorically, I, I, I don't feel like I, uh, you know, I, I've left teaching. Right. Because teaching is who I am. Um, I just feel like I, I've maybe expanded my classroom. Right. So what I'm doing with Creed, the work that, uh, you know, we're advancing it, we're still engaging in instruction. You know, I'm often in front of uh, principals doing, um, you know, professional learning opportunities or academic teams or, you know, so the instructional and, you know, my colleague could tell you, like Janine to tell you, I still love teaching, man. Like it's still what I like to do, but uh, my, the audience and the, 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 um, the constituency has just grown. And I'd like to think it's become the state. James, I hear you using language that's really close to our heart here. Again, we're talking with public information officers, mass communicators, strategic communicators. Uh, maybe folks don't know that you were a recovering journalist when you got into teaching in the first place. So help us unpack that for just a minute. The, the lens that you use to look at your teaching and communicating with your different audiences and stakeholders. I love that word constituency. Uh, you're singing our song here, James. Well, <laughs> I wasn't uh, intentionally necessarily trying to do that, but uh, it's just, it's, it's the language that speaks to my heart, right? It's the thing that feels most um, familiar and most authentic and, um, yeah, so uh, I appreciate you lifting that out because I'm a language person, right? Myself, right? Communication is key. Uh, and, you know, I was a mass comm major uh, in undergrad before I found my circuitous route to teaching. Um, but uh, I think, as I think I told you prior to, even then, right? Uh, communication is, a, is a effectively uh, a teaching mechanism, right? It's, you know, sending uh, a message, right? From sending from sender to receiver, right? And finding ways to in encode that in such a way that it can be decoded easily and understandably. Uh, and that's, you know, the most basic effective communication model. And, and teaching is very much, I think, the same thing, right? <laughs> um, you're taking your content, you're taking your message, and you're finding ways to encode that in a way that makes sense to the receivers. James, you had a very specific purpose in mind when you went from teaching uh, into your more strategic work, uh, leaving the classroom, uh, being asked to join the State Board of Education. Uh, again, for folks who watch the news and are really paying attention to education policy, they've probably seen a lot of developments. Uh, for instance, the new strategic plan that has been coming out for the better part of a year, that's taken a lot of work. 
and that's taking our State Board of Education and North Carolina's public schools in a slightly different direction. This is a change of direction in some ways, and yet in other ways, it's perhaps just deeper and more authentic fulfillment of what was already there in the Constitution guaranteeing a sound basic education for every student in North Carolina. I wonder if you could help people understand and maybe connect the dots. And an yeah. equity lens is one of the things that I know I'm going to use that language and, and use it purposefully. Sure. That's going to be, it's going to be a challenge for people in our profession. In school PR, uh, we have to represent both official positions and also represent stakeholders who have things to say back to our school systems. And we're going to need your help with that. So maybe you could help us unpack that for a minute. Yeah. And I think that's an excellent question, Kevin. And I will say that I'm very careful to take off certain hats and put on other hats when, you know, when it's necessary. So, you know, when addressing my role as a state board member, I try to very carefully not mix that with uh, my role as the ED at Creed. Right. So if you see any consistency, it's because I try to be the same person wherever I go. Right. Like people have known, like in whatever setting, I'm going to be talking about the same things. And so it may seem like a very direct line. But the truth is that, you know, um, wherever I am in whatever setting that I find myself, you're going to hear very similar language and very similar connections. The language of equity is going to be central. Right. Mm -hmm. The necessity of looking at student subgroups is going to be something that's incredibly important. The notions of closing opportunity gaps uh, are going to be things that you hear. And so as you know, as you know, a state board member and being given the charge of leading the strategic plan planning uh, committee. Uh, I knew from the beginning, although I'd be, you know, working in tandem with my colleagues, that these were things that were going to be important because these are things that I uh, was passionate about. So whatever plan we developed, I knew that we had to advance the cause of equity, that if we weren't talking about that, then what were we, what were we really going to be talking about of import? Uh, I knew that we could not ignore the notions of race, but not just race, right, but also of uh, socioeconomic status, also of gender, right, also of, uh, in cases, sexual orientation or gender identity, um, that these things are going to be paramount because they're important to our students. Um, and I knew that we would have to put metrics in place and set goals uh, for either increasing or decreasing certain uh, outcomes, right? The data was going to have to be central to guiding um, whatever our, our goals were, our key performance indicators, if you will. And so, um, you know, coalescing uh, a group of folks around some of those things, that was a group effort. Right. That was ne that was uh, not just myself. But, uh, yeah, I would like to think that I took some leadership in that because folks know that I'm going to say, to, you know, I'm going to listen. I, I'm just y'all follow my Twitter or anything. I'm going to say the things <laughs> that are that I think are are, are, are important, but, but aren't always popular. And when you do that, uh, particularly in, in places of power uh, where policy gets made, um, what happens is it forces something onto the table, uh, particularly if you have proof and evidence to support it, uh, that can't so easily be denied or papered over. And as we're structuring a, a plan for the for the state of North Carolina, for, for public schools, uh, we just couldn't help but be honest about what we were seeing in those data. And regardless of folks' ideology, structuring, structuring a plan that we all could get behind, right? that was focused on increasing professional development opportunities and eliminating opportunity gaps and increasing performance, you know? And I think that the product we came out with, although imperfect as everything is, at least uh, it sets a vision for the rest of the state and hopefully something we can hold fidelity to and um, that every district, every you know, public school unit can use as a barometer. So James, I think that 
it, it's been evident the entire time that I've known you that if you want someone to tell you the truth about what's going on and to just give us some facts and and always with ideas for improvement, we've all, I've always been able to come to you and ask you those types of things. Um, how have you been able to amplify your voice as you've gotten a bigger platform? Because I think that, you know, from the classroom where you and I have talked about this a lot, um, for our students being able to see a black male teacher, which especially in our district, that reflects a lot of our student population, right? So being able to see you and to have you, I remember going to your school and your kids are hugging you and they're thrilled that you've gotten this recognition and the pride that they had in having somebody that looked like them receive this statewide honor. How have you been able to use that the platform that you've had? Yeah, so, you know, I gotta give a shout out to my mother. Um, I do, because my mother was um, a master communicator. And I think I mentioned her uh, in the Hummingbird podcast. Um, my mom, you know, at the time was, you know, was not incredibly formally educated. I mean, she had a high school, uh, you know, diploma and did about a year of college, but trained us um, in such a way to be effective written and verbal communicators and to to um, always, you know, be able to articulate yourself, to always think in advance what your points were and how to say it in a way that it lands. She basically said, you can say almost anything to somebody, you know how to say it. You can tell somebody that they're ugly to their face. If you know how to, <laughs> I'm seriously, if you know how to say it and then by the end of the conversation, they'll be agreeing with you. Like, yeah, you know what, I guess I could, you know, I mean. That's a skill. So folks, stay tuned. <laughs> we'll teach you some of these skills before this episode of School PR Drive time is over. <laughs> yeah, right. So so in all seriousness, like, and we hated it at the time, but what happens is you find yourself, again, like you said, Randy, with a microphone put in front of you, and you're dealing with all these stigmas, uh, you know, these stereotypes of a black male, right? I was familiar with all those. I'm living with those my whole life, um, you know, and what, you know, knowing how to like, I was never just happy to be here. Like, I, I ain't gonna lie. I was ready. Right. I, when, they, when, when, the, when the time came, I was ready. Yeah, you absolutely were totally ready. You were more ready than I think any of us were prepared for. So, But it was it was awesome. And I was like, OK, let's do this. Um, you know, sometimes when you go and you talk to an educator and it's understandable, sometimes you're pulling a, a story out of them. You're like, tell me about this. Tell me what you struggle. Tell me what you're passionate about. Um, and I think we've all had that experience in school PR of going to a classroom and having a teacher just say, let me tell you exactly what's going on here. And let me tell, and, and it's so refreshing. And it, again, going back to that moment in the, in your classroom, um, right after you were named state teacher of the year, that right there to me is why I'm in school PR because you're so excited. Like I was practically running out of there to tell the, to tell these stories from your classroom. And also we had media there who were amplifying your voice and amplifying your school and the things you had to say. And so it was like, yeah, he's ready and we're ready and let's do that. You know, it was just, it, it was a, a, and I think that your openness and willingness to put things out on the table has really, if you look at every teacher of the year that we've had, since you were teacher of the year, they have gotten more and more brave and bold about saying what they mean. And I think that that, that has a lot to do with your influence because you weren't scared to put those things on the table. You know, that means a lot. And I'll say, because as a teacher, 
you know, we are, you know, our whole profession is built on assessment, checking for understanding. That's how we know we're effective. And so you don't know, this is one drawback of being away from the classroom. You do these things, you speak with passion, you stick to your convictions, but you don't really know whether you're effective. You know, there's no real metric, there's no test to offer to say, so did this have an impact on people? Yes or no. So to hear you say that, that really means a lot to me, right? Cause it's like, wow, you know, I, I like to think I contributed to opening that a little, you know, opening <laughs> that up some, but to hear you from your side say, I think that people are able to speak more freely like that, that was the goal all along. And that really, really is affirming, I have to tell you. So thank you for that, Randy. We're talking with James Ford and Randy Davis here on School PR Drive Time. And I'm going to take us toward the end of this first half of our conversation. James, I heard you say with your colleagues on the Hummingbird Stories that this work is not for the faint of heart. And we've been really positive about the number of great things that can happen when you continue to try and expand um, opportunities for people where gaps and barriers may exist and how important that work is and even how pivotal this is. I'm looking at the language of the resolution passed by the State Board of Education that equity is a necessary and critical component to ensuring the privilege of a sound basic education. That's that's very positive. Also the State Board recognizing that historical and current systems of inequitable and inadequate resource allocation, among other things, up to and including segregation have perpetuated inequities in the outcomes of students here in North Carolina. And James, when I read that and saw that it passed, it reminded me of the other things that you've said, that this work is not for the faint of heart and it comes with a cost uh, and the potential for risk. And we really wanna make sure that folks are aware this is important work and like any other important work, there are some things that you're gonna need to prepare yourself for. So in the second half of our conversation, we definitely hope that you can share some of those insights about how PR professionals, strategic communicators, and even people in your own role as consultants and advocates for students and teachers uh, can make good things happen, but also be prepared for some of those for some of those other difficulties that will arise. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I got plenty to offer uh, on that side, <laughs> right? Uh, offer some balance to the combo for sure. You are listening to School PR Drive Time. And after a short break, we'll be right back with James Ford and Randy Davis. Thanks for joining us. Hello, this is Stacia Harris, a member of the media team and board of directors with NCSPRA, the North Carolina School Public Relations Association. I'm also the director of communications for Buncombe County Schools. We hope you're enjoying this episode of School PR Drive Time, the NCSPR podcast about driving the narrative forward in support of public education. In 2021, we want to know more about the people who make good things happen every day for every student in North Carolina's public schools. They're the same folks who make news for our members to share with their communities. And this podcast is one way we hope to spread the news for all of our listeners. Please follow NCSPRA on social media and learn how school PR supports the mission of everyone in North Carolina's public schools. Share this program with someone you think will appreciate knowing more and subscribe yourself wherever you get your podcasts. We're glad you joined us. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of School PR Drive Time. It's our privilege, my privilege, to be talking with Randy Davis, my co-host from Charlotte-Mecklenburg Schools, and with James Ford, who represents a very important aspect of the conversation that strategic communicators need to understand about. We're talking about equity and all the different ways that we encounter that as an issue. 
spent the first half of today's program talking about kind of the positive aspects and all the good reasons to be passionate about this and to be inspired. Uh, And James Ford, you've agreed that we can talk about some of the difficulties because as a teacher, uh, as a consultant, as a communicator, and now as an appointed member of the North Carolina State Board of Education, there are things that we need to be uh, aware of. We need to learn how these conversations can play out. They're sometimes courageous, always crucial conversations. We left off talking about the language of the resolution in support of the strategic plan. And so let's talk about that first aspect of the strategic plan. You you named it uh, with the words uh, opportunity gaps. That wasn't something that used to be in the strategic plan for the State Board of Education. Can you talk to us about the process of getting that into first place uh, for North Carolina? Yeah. So, um, you know, we spent close to almost over a year working on that. And we began even with defining equity. Right. Like, so we went through a process of even agreeing on an equity definition. Right. So you can uh, imagine that. Right. So everything has to be ironed out uh, and has to be we have to have a shared understanding of the words that we're using in order to at least at least begin to arrive at uh, an understanding for the conversation. And so beginning with equity in mind and then deciding it was going to be one of our guiding principles along with a whole child. But then even the resolution. Right. Um, You know, it went through several iterations, several drafts before it got to the one that you see now. And so as a as a leader, what you have to decide continually is as you negotiate uh, the spirit of your work, uh, what things are you comfortable adjusting? Because the compromise is is a necessity. I don't care like, you know, what, what your political stripes are like in this field, uh, it's different on this side, right? I'm not just rock thrown from the outside. I'm working along with folks, you know, and that's, that's the name of the game. While at the and same that speaks time, to what we're doing. I, I hate to interrupt, but that's, that's why we're having this conversation because as school PR professionals, folks who work for the board of education, who work for the superintendent and also have to bring stakeholder interests back to, uh, those people who are in authority. This is a very important job for us is learning how to represent the those interests faithfully and authentically. That's right. And it's not as it's not, it's just not easy on either side of the equation. It's not. And so you have to weigh that with the counterbalance of, okay, uh, how do I maintain the level of potency? Right. So, um, and, and I think as a disposition, you begin with principle rather than position, right? Cause you know, your position can move. Um, but you can always, you know, stay stand on your principle, right? And so, if if it loses that uh, the principle uh, thrust of the work, then you know that's something that you can't really compromise on. So, uh, you know, words like opportunity gaps, uh, equity, you know, the acknowledgement of the histories, uh, you know, we grounded that. Some of that is the language from the, the North Carolina State Constitution, right? Again, you 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 ground things in uh, in stuff that's factual and that can be referenced. But you know, I have to confess to you, even then, Kevin, I mean. I mean, you not that it matters. Right. But if you look at the tally, I mean, it wasn't unanimous. Right. And so if we're talking about being real, um, everything is not going to be universally agreed upon. And while I love the notions of unity and everybody holding hands, that's just not the nature of the work. And so you have to decide uh, what is most important for you in this process as you hold fidelity to what you know is true and what you believe in. What advice would you have for school PR people that are working their way through that and trying to communicate with, you know, we've got parents, we've got students, everybody is kind of at a different place. And one thing that you mentioned earlier was finding common ground and saying, you know, if we're going to talk about equity, let's define it. How do you even begin to start having this conversation? Yeah, so I think that, so here's a couple of principles that I would offer you all. One is what I have discovered is we in the past maybe have talked about things like equity 
things like, you know, combating or dismantling systemic racism as like moral virtues, and they are, right? But if we were in corporate, uh, these things would be matters of our core values, right? As an institution, if, if, mm-hmm. if a corporate entity encounters something that doesn't comport with the belief system, they reference their core values. They say, this is not in alignment with our, this is not in alignment with our core values. And so I would venture a guess that most school systems, when you go, you look at their mission statements, mission vision statements, or you look at their strategic plans themselves, um, that there are some values and some virtues that are communicated in there. And those, you should anchor um, the things that you do when you take a stand on these issues and say, this is a matter of our core values. This is what's in our strategic uh, plan, or this is what's in our mission and vision as a district. Um, in addition to that, um, it's about the to professional teaching standards and the professional pr- principal standards. And, you know, there's several other documents at the state level that communicate a, or even the North Carolina constitution, right? Like we did that, that communicate a level uh, of, you know, expectation. So some things are not a matter of opinion. So when you decide to stand up for justice, right? Folks get in, they will make that a partisan thing. And oh, you know, left wing, right wing. The truth of the matter is uh, uh, justice is an American virtue, right? That's in the preamble of the Constitution. If you want to get if you want if you want to be particular so we can ground things and and documents to say, no, this is a matter of our national. Or this is American or this is in our state constitution. This is this is part of our core values as a district communicated in our strategic plan, our professional state, whatever policy it is. And not hiding behind those things. But what I really would say, suggest is like anchoring all of your activity around these things, because we write this stuff down and then we put it on a shelf somewhere as if it's supposed to, like, by a process of osmosis, like just transfuse some power into our activity. We have to continue to reference these things and, and they provide us cover to do what we know is right and in our communication. And that way, when folks get upset about it, and if it goes beyond the pale and you say, listen, you know, we, we can flex, but on this particular thing, we can't ban, because we wouldn't do that with, with literacy, right? If folks said, listen, why are y'all teaching literacy? That's not important. We'd say, what? This is education. How do we not teach? Well, I I think the same thing goes with some of the more social elements that we're talking about. Issues of justice, issues of dismantling racism, issues of equity. These are core values issues. And we got to be able to reference documents and other communiques and, 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 you know, overarching uh, um, driving philosophies uh, in order to provide us some cover when we do take fire, uh, so to speak. Absolutely. And James, I want to honor the fact that you referenced earlier, sometimes these hats move and we shift our our seat just a little bit to get some of this work done. And uh, just this week, we were able to hear uh, Dr. John Marshall speaking with uh, members of the North Carolina Principals Association. He had a lot of very important things to say, a mentor of yours, and he mentioned the work that you're doing as well. And so being very focused on on using that equity lens and occupying that seat where you're going to advocate very strongly for those principles takes you to one to one place and here we are we're talking about the the practicalities and the protocols of making these principles a reality, being pragmatic. I heard you uh, just come close to using the word compromise there, but actually <laughs> having to negotiate and navigate some difficult, uh, difficult situations where everyone has to feel included in the process. So let's talk about that for a minute. As someone who's uh, working on the strategic planning committee for the state board, when you think about the number of things that, that could possibly be done, you have to start making priorities. You have to start setting things in order and deciding What's going to be the most important? I shared with you before we got ready for today's show that uh, just today in Education Week, and and you can see it everywhere you look, 
The question is that you're going to look at, at teachers, are you going to look at systems, you're going to look at your community, you're going to look at student to student interaction. When you talk about opportunity gaps, James, um, what do you and your fellow state board members and, and folks on the planning committee, what are the things that you see as the most important places where you can put your emphasis uh, and make change happen in the near term? Yeah, so um, we also have an action framework that goes with that, um, with that resolution. And that was informed by, you know, several community stakeholders that talks about taking those principles and objectives and, and translating them. And so a lot of them do have to do with teachers. They have to do with offering uh, increased professional development opportunities. They have to do with increasing enrollment in certain underrepresented areas like honors and AP and IB are gifted, um, more restored approaches, approaches to discipline, right? So all the areas where we see these uh, sort of disparities responding to that. But the piece you're talking about most specifically about like implicit bias, um, you know, what I'll say about that is I think it's important work because we know that, um, you know, we're all, you know, we're all social creatures. We've all been socialized to believe certain things. There's nobody, including myself, who is unbiased. Okay, and that's important to recognize, uh, not even as a. Well, that's fault. A, I want to lift that one up. Say, say that again, James, for folks who might not have caught it the first time you said. It. <laughs> yeah, there is nobody who is without bias. There is no mm-hmm. such thing as a neutral party. There just isn't. Um, and I don't. I don't believe in objectivity. I do believe that we can be fair, and I think that that that's a goal that should be pursued. But given the fact that we're not unbiased, that we you know we are come from certain cultures, have certain upbringings in, in, and, and have norms and beliefs that we assume are true, that may be problematic. And those things, as best we try, inform our work. And so the pursuit of helping us to identify those things and then furthermore, helping us to unlearn those things, I think is worthy. Yeah, the jury is still out as to whether they work. Um, and I think it's also very difficult to measure. It's a relatively new concept. I feel like a ripe area as well to concentrate our efforts is in um, de-biasing systems, though. And this is where I think you can really get your bang for your buck. Um, You know, Dr. King in one of his speeches talks about uh, law. And uh, to paraphrase, he essentially says, the law cannot make a man love me, but it can stop a man from lynching me. And I think that that's important. Do you catch my drip? So on the one hand, we can spend a lot of our energies in changing the hearts of uh, men and women in our profession, which I think is a worthy pursuit. But if nothing else, we have to make the egregious sort of uh, uh, mistreatment of certain uh, student groups and the allocation of opportunity and access. We have to be able to fix the structures that allow for that to persist. And that takes a more systems level approach. And that's what we're looking at with our strategic plan is there's some things that are concentrated on the individual, but the problems themselves are largely institutional. And so that's kind of where um, I think some of the best reforms can really happen to correct those, uh, those, those disparities. And as we're talking about change, I know that um, not long after the pandemic started, Creed hosted a workshop for people that wanted to talk specifically about some of these topics. And, you know, the, the pandemic has taken inequities that you know, you've been talking about for years and sort of brought them to the forefront. And I think a lot of people are becoming more aware. This is not something that the pandemic created. These inequities were there. Um, And I know that you've been doing some work on that. But one thing that that you said on one of those calls that really stuck with me was that 
you know, we hear all the time, change takes so long. It takes so long to reform a system. Oh, you have to be patient. We'll have this little incremental change. But as you said, we found out on Saturday that schools were going to be closed and start in-person instruction. And we turned that back around, you know, in a week. So can you talk about that a little bit more and just sort of how that sort of shows that we we can change things and we don't have to wait years to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a culture, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? And what we have to understand is a lot <laughs> of what we're dealing with is it's culture war, right? It's, it's uh, disrupting mental models about what change even looks like. And the the resistance to some of the more practical and pragmatic solutions being offered is always things that are rooted in, well, that's the way things are. We can't do that. It's just a, it's, it's, it's a lack of radical imagination. And so, you know, now when pressed and when the circumstances change, we demonstrate that clearly, oh, we can, we can do these things. Oh, we can turn on a dime and, you know, uh, shift an entire education system, albeit sort of clunky and inefficiently to online or virtual, right? With huge, you know, as you mentioned, pre-existing, uh, uh, you know, access and opportunity gaps. But what I'm saying is that we did it, right? Um, and so what else can we do when we're not forced that may disrupt or go against our preconceived notions, but is really radically innovative. And I want us to be able to tap into that and not use the age old excuses of, oh, it's always been that way. It just can't happen. They won't let you do it. I just, I can't subscribe to that because time, you know, time doesn't change anything. Time is neutral. It's what we do with it. That's really important. What role do you think school PR professionals play in driving that change? I think that, you know, so listen, I don't have to tell y'all, you know, I used to share, we used to have a lot of courses with PR majors, right? So the journalists and the people, we all same house in the same hall, right? A lot of the same courses together. And what y'all are able to do is y'all are able to vision cast, right? You're able to communicate expectation and communicate vision. And so when other folks can't see it, you can offer a glimpse of what is possible in ways that no one else who is able to interface with the general public or stakeholders can do. And so folks may have doubts, they may have criticism, they may have legitimate skepticism, but what you can do is you can fill that, that, that void of, of, of pessimism and cynicism with uh, a picture, even if it's not full of what is possible in a communication that we can do this. Right. That's hugely important for folks who don't always have the confidence or who are just so thoroughly indoctrinated in old ways of thinking that a new way is actually possible. And so the the role of that, I don't want to I don't want to understate, you know. James Ford, you're talking about the radical imagination that I've heard you describe in other venues. And, and I really love the guidance that you just gave uh, so lovingly uh, and gently to school PR professionals to, to get a backbone and be really bold about vision casting. And you of all people, uh, as we're getting close to the end of today's conversation, you recognize the role of story mm-hmm. and how important that is in terms of changing people's minds and potentially compressing the amount of time that it takes, you know, really shrinking the amount of time. You shared with us your own story of having gone through uh, classroom experiences. Randy Davis uh, was there to visit and, and experience some things that just kind of brought you back into, the, into that moment 
for me, uh, I have my own experience in Charlotte-Mecklenburg, having been a student in uh, Idlewild Elementary and spending my fourth grade year over at Lincoln Heights. Oh, wow. And what a, what a world of difference that is, right? Very pivotal time uh, in Charlotte-Mecklenburg. I'm here in Transylvania today, but uh, you can take me back and I still feel like I'm, I'm you know, I can experience that right now. I, I know what it's like to be there. Mm-hmm. Tell us maybe uh, in a nutshell or, you know, think back to a story that you feel has, has helped people for someone who's having difficulty with this, because we know there will be people who continue to have difficulty. Mm-hmm. How could you convey the role of story and what, what are, what's a story that you feel has been particularly successful in helping people get over the hump and learn why this, why this equity lens equity mindset is so important. So I will tell you that um, one day, <laughs> while working, while, while doing this work, um, and speaking about the racial inequities that existed, there was an older white gentleman who, during the Q&A portion, uh, said, you know, I, I just don't, I th- I, I, we know what to do. We just have to do it. We know how to teach all kids. And, and while that communicated like a very fair expectation, I had to say humbly, you know, I, I don't think we know what to do because we're, sure, we're not abundantly clear on the nature of the problem. And I told him a story about just how pervasive racism is, about when I was a uh, teacher of the year and I'd given a speech, I drove into Raleigh at the convention center downtown, parked in the parking dead at, what is that, the Marriott or something, way down in the, beneath, and it was packed at the time. By the time I finished my speech, it was late at night, all the cars had cleared out and I was descending down to the bottom of the parking garage to get ready to leave. I was on the elevator with a white gentleman just me and him. And I have a suit on and a bow tie. You know how I used to look, Randy, you know, when I would go out, you know, trying to be all presentable. Like the most disarming looking dude ever, right? And what I could sense was a little bit of trepidation when it was just he and I on this elevator. And as we both got off on the lowest uh, level, he got out first, I let him out first, and then I walked. And by this time, the deck's pretty empty, right? And I'd park way near the back. And all you hear is the clicking and clacking, the echoing of my dress shoes in this cement, you know, edifice. And he, although I'm slowly walking behind him with the suit and bow tie on, just kept looking back at me, looking back at me, wondering when I was going to stop. And I guess at some point I, he, I got too close for comfort. He just took off running. Right. And I've been black my whole life, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been black my whole life, man. So I know exactly what this is. You know, he was scared. I don't know what was going to happen. What he thought was going to happen. He ended up running. But the irony is he parked next to me. So by the time I make it to him, he's jumbling, fumbling his keys, trying to get in his car. And I'm just looking at him, you know, as I try to get into my car. And I'm like, "Mm -mm," I'm shaking my head at him. And I told this gentleman, I deal with that sort of thing every single day. And if I deal with that, and I'm educated and quote unquote made it and I got a suit and bow tie. What do you think our kids are dealing with and how do they experience the education system? And he came back to me and he's like, you know what? I, I, that story, I, did, I, I never thought that you would deal with things like that. And that has forever changed me. It changed his perspective as a result of that. And so I just think that it's important for us to tell stories like that and be honest about our experiences because we can't fix the problem until we know how we're part of the problem. <laughs> So the story that you just shared, and thank you for sharing something so personal with us. And I think that's, that's very real. Um, that's not my 
personal experience. That's not Kevin's personal experience, but we are in a role where we can amplify the voices of people that have had that experience. So how would you encourage people in our profession? You know, when I'm, when I'm trying to do stories, I'm trying to find an EC teacher and an elementary teacher and get all kinds of different voices in the room. And how important is that as we're telling the stories of our people in our education system? So I'm going to implore everyone in that role. I'm going to implore you right now to be courageous. So one is be intentional about telling those stories. It's it's great to tell the feel-good stories. We all love them. Um, but again, to that kid who might be experiencing that, does that speak to their reality? How do you make sure that that student is seen? And so telling those stories that you know bring to you know, the center, those who are on the margins, that requires a personal intentionality on your part. So in your position, you have some influence. Um, telling it in ways to connect with the spirit of democratic humanism, this, this notion of democracy, of shared power, right? Um, and of humanism, making the full human development. These are things that transcend uh, or should transcend uh, any ideological stripes. And even if they don't, these ought to be things that you can agree upon and are willing to stand up and go down fighting for. And, you know, it's be humanizing. I hate to use that term, but humanizing as best you can the experiences we're talking about, because somebody might blow off an idea Oh, racism. That's a bunch of crap. Nobody's experiencing that. But when you tell them a story like that, like, oh, wow, that is that's terrible. Nobody deserves, you know, and so suddenly it makes it real for them. Um, in your position, you have a huge opportunity to do that. But I, I, with this caveat, you're going to get pushback. Right. And they're going to be those out there who disagree that two plus two equals four. And when that happens, just be willing to stay in the pocket. You understand in, in, in the gap uh, and stand on your, you know, your virtues as a professional that you know what you're doing. And you know what you're doing is right. So that's what I would say. James Ford has served as the teacher of the year for North Carolina in 2014 and 15, and turned that into a platform to amplify the voices of people for, in the cause of equity here in North Carolina, currently serving on the State Board of Education and the executive director for CREED, the Center for Racial Equity in Education. James, I heard you reference uh, a couple things there, uh, and we're going to let you help us go out. Um, taking people from the margins and moving toward the center uh, on the margins is a podcast where people can learn more about the work of folks in this area. Why don't you tell us uh, other ways that people can get in touch with the work that you're doing with Creed uh, and in the work that you're doing to advance equity here in North Carolina? Thank you for that, Kevin. Um, so, yeah, uh, we have a podcast of our own on the margins podcast. It can be found wherever podcasts are found. <laughs> uh, so you can search that out. But in addition to that, we have a coalition uh, called the Freedom Hill Coalition. And this is about engaging stakeholders like those under the sign of my voice um, in the movement for racial equity in education. Uh, we all in a democracy, despite how contested that is, uh, we have power. It is people who have power in, in this form of government. And if something's not right with our education system, uh, we have to organize ourselves and be able to make requests and demands. And the Freedom Hill 
coalition named after um, Freedom Hill community, the first community of formerly enslaved people in the country, which was in Edgecombe County and uh, is now called Princeville, is sort of the reference for that coalition. And so if you're interested in being a part of that movement, you can visit our website at creed-nc.org. Uh, and in addition, we continue to produce research, policy briefs. Um, and if you're interested in bringing the creed in to do professional development, strategic planning, design work, root cause analysis, all the above, um, you can feel free to reach out to us as well. But we're continuing to move. Uh, for us, this is not just a moment. Uh, this is a real shift and it's about transforming systems and, and we'll be here. Um, and so I'm grateful for the opportunity, Kevin, to be able to lift that work up. And Randy, thank you so much for uh, you know taking me back down memory lane. Oh, thank you. Um, we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. And we know that you're really busy and we're appreciative of the work that you're doing outside of this conversation. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. My pleasure. Well, Randy Davis, I am so glad that you and I were able to have this conversation with James Ford and there are, my head is still spinning. There are so many things I'm gonna have to go back and listen to multiple times over and over again. Uh, it really surprised me to hear James Ford say, you know, we know, no, we don't know. The idea that, that we're trying to take on as school PR professionals, what's already a difficult topic and even people who are experts in the field are continuing to uncover and bring forward things that need to be amplified, I'll be honest with you, the scope of the work still surprises me. And it was really important, I think, to hear that from someone like James today. Yeah, and I think just acknowledging that it's okay to say that it's hard and it's okay to say that it's tough and it's okay to say you don't know, that's okay. We need to be comfortable with saying that and comfortable with figuring that out together. I really hope that our fellow school PR professionals here in North Carolina and CSPR members, uh, those who are still joining the organization and around the country, if you tune into this, uh, hopefully this will embolden you for that vision casting and for some of that radical imagination that we heard James Ford talking about and maybe can maybe inspire you to continue exploring in the different ways that that work is being done here in North Carolina and throughout the country. Randy, thanks again for joining us for this episode of School PR Drive Time, where I think we've taken on a really important topic, and I know we're gonna talk about it again soon in upcoming episodes. Thank you, Kevin.